Welcome back to a brand new episode of the Carefree and Black Diaries podcast hosted by me, Shakira White. Here on this podcast, we discuss various topics like pop culture, news, politics, and more. Anything you can think of, we talk about it a little bit here. Now, welcome back to a brand new episode. I just want to say that today, this episode this week is the last episode in season four. It is bittersweet. It is bittersweet. Um, I'm excited, but I'm also um, dealing with some conflicting emotions. You know, we have a lot to cover in this episode. It's a lot but it's not a lot, if that makes sense. Like, it's a lot emotionally, but it's not a lot of information that we have to cover in this episode. Um, but I just want to leave you all with something encouraging, hopefully, to stick with you for the next two weeks after this episode airs, because you all know that we will not be back until September 22nd when we launch with season five. So hopefully this episode is enough to keep you all, you know, motivated and just on top of things until we meet again in two weeks after this. So I just want to get started. Let's go ahead and hop into our carefree updates because I'm excited. I got some news for y'all. So first things first, you all know that we had our carefree and black diary scholarship application period submissions and this was the very first semester that we had a scholarship now let me tell you all the lowdown on what had happened I have always wanted to have a scholarship for high school students and also college students so I had you know we made some money for the podcast so for me it was like me taking the money made from the podcast and sewing it back into the community our community so that was where you know the whole thing came from and I was like let's just go ahead and do it like there's no time like the present let's just do it for the fall and we'll figure out all of the logistics while we're doing it because I'm very much so a learn as I go type person <laughs> so I set up the scholarship and it was going to be $400, right? So one of my friends, we grew up, I was going to say we grew up together. We met in high school and she reached out to me and she was like, I want to donate $100 so you can add another student because it was going to be $100 per students, $400 for students, right? I hope the math is mathing. So she donated 100. So then that took it up to five students. And then, um, I had another donor um, who came into my life recently and he was like, I'm going to donate 200 more, add two more students. So boom, we were up to $700 for seven students. Now, if you follow the Instagram page, you know that I told you all that we had the extra hundred. So I told you all five scholarships. Now, when he told me that he was going to donate 200 more, I was like, okay, I don't want to post that on the page because the scholarship is about to close. So I just kept it as a secret between us that we were going to add two more scholarships to the pool. So instead of four students, like we originally said, now we have seven scholarship recipients. And I just feel so uh, I just feel so good about it. And we had way more applicants than I expected seriously I really wish that we could have given all of you all something I really wish we could have but we had seven so here are the students who are the first class of Carefree and Black Diaries scholars for fall 2020. 
Now, before I get into these names, forgive me in advance if I mess up your name. Believe me, I am all too familiar with people messing up the pronunciation of my name. And remember I told you all that I am a learn by doing kind of person. So now I know that for next semester, spring 2021, that when people are submitting their applications, I'm going to also ask them for the pronunciation of their name, um, the phonetics, so that I won't mess up anyone's name. So the first scholar that is going to be receiving a Carefree and Black Diary scholarship for this semester is Naya Rivers. She is a student at Florida Atlantic University majoring in information systems management. Congratulations, Naya. The second scholar we have is Naja Dewberry. She is a student of The Ohio State University majoring in visual communication design. The third student we have is Cambria Mitchell. Mitchell or Michael, she is a student from my alma mater, woo woo, Florida A&M University, majoring in psychology. Congratulations, Cambria. The fourth student is Jayla Head. She is a student at Mercer University School of Medicine, majoring in master's. Um, well, she's getting her master's of family therapy. Next, we have Deja Daniel. She is a student at Howard University, majoring in criminology. Next is Daniela Rodriguez Linares. I hope that I pronounced your last name right. She is a student from another one of my alma maters, Florida State University, where I got my master's degree from, and she is majoring in family and child sciences and social welfare. And then the last scholar we have is Obreen Delusma. Oh my gosh, I really hope I am not butchering your last name. She is a student from the University of Miami, majoring in motion pictures, production, and interactive media. Girl, we might be working together one day. So congratulations to those seven students who will be receiving money from us to help you all with, you know, if you need food, if you need to buy a book voucher, if you need to put gas in your car, hopefully this money will help you out some kind of way. Um, during this semester. So congratulations again to you all and thank you to everyone who applied. Please do not let this discourage you from applying again in the spring because it's going to be a new round. The same people, you know, if you got it this time, you won't be able to get it next time. So we want to keep, you know, this thing new and fresh. So please don't be discouraged. Just apply again in the spring and then in the summer and in the fall of next year. So congratulations again, you guys. Now, I was going to update you all and tell you all a little bit more about what's going on um, in Missouri with the police there, um, with the 17-year-old that shot and killed people. But I, I, that was in Wisconsin, but there's a lot going on all over the United States. And I was going to go into those different things, but I have decided not to just because it is so heavy and we already have a pretty heavy um, topic today. So I'm going to spare you and end on a high note right now with our scholarship winners. So we're going to have a break right now for our sponsor and then we'll be back with the heavy stuff. Prepare yourself. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, 
and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. All right, we are back. So I told you all, I warned you, I tried to spare you and let you all know that this is not going to be one of those happy-go-lucky kind of podcast episodes. We're actually going to be talking about something that's a little heavy, um, but I feel like it's needed. I feel like we need to talk about this. And the topic of today's episode is just that grief is not a linear process. So does anyone else feel like this year has just been like tough and if you're anything like me, you have had some tough years, but there is just something about 2020. There's just something different about this year that just makes every other tough year that you've had feel like, oh, that was nothing. Like, raise your hand if you feel personally victimized by 2020, because my hand is up right now. Um, and that's a reference to the movie Mean Girls. And if you caught that before I told you what the reference was, you are my kind of person. So it's true. I feel like we've all been personally victimized by the year 2020 because it's just been rough. And when I say rough, that is an understatement. So this past weekend, it got a lot harder. It was already hard, and this past weekend, it just got a whole lot harder. We lost someone big, someone who was a role model, a superhero, an enormous talent, and that was Chadwick Boseman. And when I found out, um, I was just in disbelief. My friend, my best friend sent it to me, and I was just like, huh? You know, my first instinct was like, okay, this is a lie. Who posted this? Um, and I was just in disbelief. And the only thing that confirmed to me that it was not a lie and that it was indeed true was that the news was posted on his social media pages by his team, his camp. And if you know Chadwick Boseman, if you were familiar with his work, you know that he portrayed Thurgood Marshall, James Brown, Jackie Robinson, and probably his biggest role was Black Panther. So many characters of depth and positive representation for Black people. I loved Chadwick, and I still do. It's so rare to have an authentic, I'm stressing the word authentic, right? Authentic people in the spotlight to look up to, especially in the entertainment industry. It is so rare people that are fighting to lift up our community more than they are fighting to be well known people that are dedicated to their crafts and the arts um, rather than being the next big name or the next big thing there's a difference that was clear in Chadwick and I will always admire that about him but I will say that having to face Chadwick's passing has really weighed on me these past few days. Um, the day after the news came out, I believe the news came out Friday night. Um, so Saturday, I stayed in bed the majority of the day. I cried and I slept and I slept and I cried. And that's pretty much all I did the entire day. Um, and it really caused me to just be still. And really think about all that we have lost this year and all the people who we've lost this year. Kobe and Gigi, Pop Smoke and John Lewis, Chadwick Boseman and Breonna Taylor, George Floyd and Sean Reed, 
a student that I went to school with who was at FAMU the same time that I was at FAMU who, you know, we weren't friends, but we had spoken. We had laughed together. She passed earlier this summer toying right here in my hometown um, Amal Aubrey, and I mean the hundreds of thousands of those who have passed as a result of COVID-19 this year, this year has been a lot to handle for all of us. Like no one is exempt from feeling the weight of this year. And with all of the loss this year, I was forced to revisit some losses that I have been grieving for years now. And it's like, Everything this year made me realize that I wasn't healed in the way that I thought I was from certain losses that I've experienced. I've talked about a few of these um, on several different podcast episodes here. If you've been here for a while, you are probably familiar with some of these. Um, But I, I feel like my first major loss occurred when I was in high school. I believe I was a sophomore in high school, yes. And my cousin passed in a car accident. And I talk about this on here a lot because I like to emphasize the importance of loving on your family. My cousin was young when he passed and he had two young children. One was still an infant. And I remember he passed on a Tuesday night and the last time I saw him was the Sunday before he passed. And I always remember it because The last time I saw him, we were at a family reunion and something told me, you know, we are at a family reunion full of people. Like I have a huge family full of people. But as I was leaving, you know, you say your goodbyes to everyone, but something told me to go and hug him and tell him, you know, bye. And I loved him and I didn't because, you know, it was just telling me like this one particular person, but I'm like, what, you know, it's hundreds of people in there. Why do I just need to go and hug him? So I passed up the opportunity and that was something it took, you know, it took me a very long time to get over that because I was really kicking myself and so angry with myself that I didn't follow that voice and I didn't follow that feeling, that gut feeling that I was having by going to say goodbye because that was going to be my last time, you know, hugging him and telling him that I loved him and I didn't seize that opportunity. But I've talked about that here on quite a few different episodes, but that was, I feel like, the first major one. And then his mother, my aunt, passed the year, one year later, almost exactly a year later in the same month that he passed. And that was another hard one for me because I was still grieving the loss of her son. And now here I am grieving the loss of his mother, my aunt. And then about a year later, my uncle passed. And then um, my cousin passed a few months after that. So I just felt like I was being hit with blow by blow by blow. And it was like every time I felt like I was finally getting back on my feet to start to move forward and exit this grieving stage or this grieving state of being because it felt like grief was a state of being for me at that point because every time, you know, someone passed, my thought was, who's next? You know, that's how I was feeling after a while. Like, okay, who's next? Who's leaving my life next? Who's being taken away from me next? And again, it was, I felt like I was a living there. It was a state of being for me. 
grieving no longer felt like a process, but I had been told for years at that point that grieving is a process. There are different stages of grief. And I was always under the impression that there were five stages, denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. And you all probably have heard of these five stages of grief because it is such a popular belief that grief occurs in five stages. But I was just thinking about everything, um, you know, with Chadwick's passing, it made me think about everything. And I started questioning whether or not I was doing this grieving thing right. It's like, okay, I've been through denial. I've been angry. I don't think I'm depressed anymore. And I thought I accepted all of these losses that I've experienced. But why am I still grieving? Like, shouldn't the process be over for me now? These things have occurred years ago. And I thought, you know, I can't be the only person experiencing this. So that's why I wanted this episode to help me and really break down grief. And hopefully, if you experience grief in the future, it can be a resource for you to revisit whenever you need. Like, it'll be here for you. Now, with that being said, I wanted to share this article that I read that really helped me to understand, you know, why I was feeling like, okay, I'm maybe I'm not grieving correctly, being that with all of the losses recently, I'm feeling old feelings about people that have passed in my life previously. Like, have I not grieved them properly? Like, what's really going on? So I found this article by Dr. David Feldman, and I thought it was interesting. So I wanted to share it with you all. And he says, um, among the general public, one of the most commonly known and accepted psychological concepts is that grief proceeds in stages. If you are already familiar with the stages of grief, you have psychiatrist and visionary death and dying expert Elizabeth Kubler-Ross to thank for it. Through her many books and tireless activism, Kubler-Ross managed to change how much of the world thought about death. She helped soften some of the stigma that had previously been present, making it a little more okay to talk about and get support for loss. But what you may not know is, which is something that I did not know, is that Kubler-Ross didn't originally develop these stages to explain what people go through when they lose a loved one. Instead, she developed them to describe the process that patients go through um, as they come to terms with their terminal illnesses. So the stages denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance were only later applied to grieving friends and family members who seem to undergo a similar process as their loved ones who have been diagnosed with terminal illnesses. So grief is not that simple. Studies show that grievers don't process through these stages in a lockstep fashion. Consequently, when many of us lose someone we love, we may find that we fit the stages precisely or we may skip all but one. We may race through them or we may drag our feet all the way to acceptance. We may even repeat or add stages that Kubler-Ross never dreamed of. So in fact, the actual grief process looks a lot less like this neat set of stages and a lot more like a roller coaster of emotions. And Kubler-Ross said that grief doesn't proceed in a linear or predictable fashion. And later towards the end of her career, she said that she regretted that her stages had been misunderstood. 
the unfortunate side effect of our society's erroneous but firm belief in the five stages is that many people wind up criticizing themselves for, quote, not doing grief right. Um, when people buy into the idea that there is only one healthy way to grieve, then it's easy for them to attack themselves when they naturally um, find that they're doing it differently than what these five stages say grief, you know, is supposed to go like. And this helps no one. So here are some lessons that the writer wrote that I thought were pretty interesting. And I want to share a little bit of them with you all before I just talk for a little bit. But his first lesson was... A little denial is natural. Um, research tells us that it's okay to have, you know, a little denial is not inherently harmful to you. Um, psychological trauma has observed that denial can be healthy in moderate amounts. And I thought that this was kind of cool. I was kind of nerding out a little bit. But Denial is the brain's way of dosing itself. Just as medicine is good for us, fully facing the reality that a loved one has died is ultimately good for us, but too much medicine too quickly can cause unpleasant side effects. So just the same way, um, being forced to confront difficult grief-related emotions all at once can be unnecessarily painful to us. Boffman isn't advocating... Um, ignoring reality so ignoring the fact that the person is gone but instead she believes that denial is the brain's way of making sure that we don't get too high a dose of grief before we are ready to come to terms with it so the brain naturally gives us quote denial breaks these breaks allow us to relax regroup and ready ourselves for the difficult feelings um, that we must face eventually Denial becomes unhealthy when you just refuse to face your grief, but taking temporary breathers from grief to watch a movie, to have a distracting conversation with a friend, or just to daydream, that's all healthy, but trying to avoid it altogether can have harmful consequences. So as a general rule, the only way out of grief is to go through it. If the emotions are there, it's important not to run from them, but we shouldn't feel like we have to face them all at once. Grieving appropriately means allowing ample time to remember and feel the loss as well as embracing occasional opportunities to distract ourselves or regroup from the loss that we are feeling. Lesson number two is that grief can shake our faith. Faith does not just refer to religion. In this case, we have faith in many things in ourselves and others in the future. And when someone passes away, our faith in these things can be shaken. It can seem like the world will never be the same again. We may wonder if we will ever be the same again. And people often find themselves asking questions like, how could this happen to such a good person? I definitely found myself asking this about Chadwick Boseman. Um, how can this world be so unfair? But according to research by psychologist Melvin Lerner, on some level, most people believe in the old saying, what comes around goes around. We have faith in that. If we behave well, good things are supposed to happen to us. And many of us are taught this belief as children and we don't entirely surrender that belief as we age. Now, life is not always fair. We know this. However, people don't always get what they deserve. Now, I was thinking about the loss of Chadwick and I was just thinking, you know, 
he was so young. He was so talented. He had just gotten married. He has a family. You know, I was thinking of all these things and that was bothering me so much, you know, like he had a whole life ahead of him. And when we experience loss, even of someone we don't know, our beliefs are challenged. And as a result of that, um, people sometimes find themselves feeling guilty If the world is fair and our loved one has passed, it's easy to believe that we must have done something wrong. Um, Some people even try to bargain with God or with whoever they believe in in the universe. Um, And that's one of the stages, bargaining. They may promise to be more moral, more just, more understanding, more caring if only their loved ones returned. And I found myself that way when my cousin passed. I felt that way definitely. Um... We feel all these feelings and we kind of feel like maybe it was our fault some kind of way. And it's natural to feel like that. And it's natural to question the fairness and justness of this world when we lose someone that we love. But ultimately, death is not fair. It's unfair. Um, And it's just an unfortunate reality of the life that we are living. And lesson three that he had is grief usually leads to acceptance. Usually leads to acceptance I want to make note of that um although most people never stop missing their loved ones the painful emotions they feel shortly after the death almost certainly eventually soften it can be comforting to keep this in mind when you are going through the process of grieving if we tell ourselves this is never going to end Um, or I'm weak for feeling this way, or I'm going crazy, or some other negative statement, we'll wind up feeling worse than we already feel. And you don't need to feel any worse than you already feel. So instead, reassure yourself that, okay, this is normal. It's okay for me to feel this way. Several people are feeling this way. Everyone who has lost someone before is feeling this way and has felt the burden of the loss or the emptiness of the loss of someone that they have loved before. And all of that is okay. All of that is normal. And I actually came across this article from theroot.com by the author Damon Young. And it's so short and it's to the point. I wanted to share it with you all because it was so good. And he says, I keep coming back to resilience and how I hate how we consider it to be an essential and inherent and invaluable characteristic of blackness. I hate it because it's dehumanizing. Being born black don't make us any more resilient than anyone else. We are not stronger. We are not tougher. We've just been giving more crap to carry. Our kinship with resilience is just us convincing ourselves that we can hold that weight and them justifying how heavy they pack our bags. It is sticky too. Stuck to how we live and how we cope with death. Death can't be just death. Can't be just an ending of life. There must be some kind of takeaway, um, some kind of lesson learned. Even in, you know, even when someone dies, we say rest in power. And I get it. We got to be strong. We got to be tough. We got to persevere. We always got to. We just got to. But if that weight suffocates you, If it gets too heavy to move, if it weakens your skin, your bones, your spirit, your soul, if it consumes you that you can't think or feel or see anything, if it makes you sad, it is fine to just cry too. 
It's fine to just acknowledge what's been taken and how those losses make movement harder. It's fine to feel dejected, not uplifted. It's fine to be weakened. It's fine to stop being who we tell ourselves we have to be and who they pretend we must be and just be human. And I thought that that was just perfect and succinct. You know, it wasn't even an hour after Chadwick passed or the news had gotten out that Chadwick passed that I saw different tweets and different posts saying, if Chadwick Boseman can work through Black Panther, if he can work through all of these movies that he's completed and he had colon cancer, then so can you. And I thought that that was such a tone deaf thing to say. As black people, we have a tendency to glorify struggle. And we also have a tendency to praise this get it by any means kind of attitude. Um, and it, it's very toxic. It's a very toxic thought process and a very toxic ideal to hold. And I really wish that we could I, I want to do a deep dive into that one day and really find out where the root of that came from. Where did that come from and why do we still uphold that belief system today? I thought it was tone deaf because, you know, it it diminishes the story of Chadwick. It confines him to this box that he was sick and he still worked. And I don't like that. I, I don't like that at all. And it also... Um, it encourages this idea that even though people are sick, they should still be working. I don't think that Chadwick Boseman should have felt like he needed to be working while he was sick. I felt like he should have been able to spend as much time as possible at home with his family and his friends and, you know, like enjoying his days. And the fact that many of us, the lesson we took from his life is that it's okay to work through illness. It's okay to work through cancer. It's okay, you know, when things are happening in your life that are detrimental and life altering, that it's okay to still rise and grind. That's, that's not, mm -mm, that's not good, but I'm kind of getting off topic because I wanted to wrap up this episode by emphasizing the statement that grief is not a linear process. Grief is ugly Grief is messy. Grief is muddy. And grief can feel like quicksand if we are not careful. And with all that we have been going through this year, with all of the losses that we have experienced, and especially if you are like me, and these recent losses have made you revisit some of the people that you've lost in your own life, um, realize that it's okay, right? Everything is going to be okay. And it might not be okay right now, and it might not be okay tomorrow, and it might not be okay in December. It might not be okay once the clock strikes and we, you know, run into 2021, but it will be okay, all right? And also know that it's not linear. There are, you know, there's not these five stages that you have to follow to a T, you don't have to just go through denial and then anger and then bargaining, et cetera, et cetera. You can jump from one to the other. You can go through none of these and you can create your own process of grieving, of grief, and you can define what grief looks and feels like to you. 
to you until you have reached a point where you have gotten to accept the losses that you've experienced. And to me, I don't even know if you ever really accept them. You know, like I said, my cousin, when he passed in his car accident, I was in high school. I may have been 15, 14, 15 years old. And here it is 10 years later, and I'm still not all the way over that. You learn to live without having those people in your life anymore in the physical sense. You learn to live with that. Um, But sometimes acceptance feels real final. (laughs) Acceptance feels like you're just over it. And I have hard days. I still have times and moments when I am driving down the road and I see a car that is the exact same make and model and color of the car that my cousin was in when he had his accident and I get sad all over again and I feel like I am thrust back into my 14, 15 year old self and I'm experiencing that pain all over again. So I want just to tell you that it's okay. It's okay to feel these feelings and it's okay to grieve people that you've never met. Don't let anyone make you feel like you are crazy or insane for grieving a person that you've never met. Okay? It's all right. And don't let anyone tell you how that, you know, don't let anyone tell you how you have to approach your own grief. That's a process that only you have to figure out by yourself. So I hope that this episode was helpful. I hope that it was a little bit more reassuring, especially with the times that we are experiencing right now. Again, it is a lot to process. It is a lot to handle for even the strongest people out there. I am with you. My thoughts are with you. My prayers are with you. Just know that I'm with you every step of the way. And I hope that you are finding healthy ways to experience this time. Um, For me, I have been painting, I have been journaling a lot, I have been writing a lot, um, because for me, writing is very therapeutic. I have been listening to music, and I have been trying to get more into meditation and revisiting my yoga practices, and also walking. I told you all, I think two or three episodes back, I've been walking in the mornings. So find healthy ways to cope, and also reach out to people. If you feel like you are drowning in your emotions, reach out to someone and talk to someone. Now, I also want to end this episode with this. Colon cancer was what Chadwick Boseman passed from. And colon cancer, it is the third most common cancer among men and women. And it disproportionately affects the black community. I said that to say, go and get a colonoscopy. Black people. My people, I love you all to death, and I know how we can be about the doctor. I know how we can be about going to medical professionals, and I know for a fact that a lot of black women are, um, our issues are ignored by doctors. Find a black woman doctor who understands you and understands um, your body and does not ignore the pains that you are going through, who actually listens and tries to help you with the different issues that you are experiencing. But go and get a colonoscopy. Chadwick passed at the age of 43 and he had colon cancer for four years. So he was 39 maybe 38 when he was diagnosed with it 
you are never too young, okay, to go and get a colonoscopy. I'll even say if you are 30, it's time to go. (laughs) Go and get checked. You would rather be safe than sorry. All right. I love you all. And I hope that this episode, you know, I hope that it helped you. I hope that you all enjoyed season four while we are gone. If you miss us, go back and binge some old episodes. Go binge the popular episodes and also follow us on Instagram at Carefree and Black Diaries so you can stay up to date with us um, on when we're coming back, any new news. Um, And also that's where we're going to be for these next two weeks, just, you know, posting and talking and having some fun things on there for you all. So follow us on Instagram and also on Twitter at Carefree Black Pod, that's Carefree B-L-K-P-O-D, if you want to stay tuned on there. And also we have a Facebook for the Facebook crowd so you can, you know, like and communicate on there as well. I'm going to miss you guys for two weeks. Oh my gosh, I... You all don't know how much this podcast means to me and how much uh, you all mean to me. So I am definitely going to miss y'all while we are gone for two weeks. But I am going to be using these two weeks to prepare to give y'all the most fire and lit season five. And I think that you all are going to enjoy season five, maybe the most out of all the seasons. Be blessed, stay black, and stay carefree until the next season of the Carefree and Black Diaries. Bye, guys.